0: Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor from Grandview Baptist Church here with Dr. Stan Fowler, uh, one of our elders. And it's our pleasure just to open up our conversation on things that we think matter. Uh, what, Stan, what are we talking
1: about today? This is hugely ironic because today we're starting a conversation about regular church attendance, and what that means, what it used to mean, what it means now, what it ought to mean for us. And here we are talking about it at the very time that we're all practicing social distancing and nobody's meeting face-to-face at church. But maybe that's a really good time to talk about the value of it, because maybe we're beginning to sense the value of it. Okay, so first of all, what
0: does the scripture say about... Our gathering. So what
1: are the big ideas that will guide our conversation? Well we we have indications in Scripture of course of the of God's people meeting regularly. Not not extensive descriptions of that but we certainly see indications that they regularly met on the first day of the week. I, the the biblical text probably that always comes to mind is Hebrews ten twenty five. Which, which encourages uh, the readers to not forsake gathering together. But every time I, I think about that, I, I think back to the way that was utilized in my early Christian nurture. <laughs> I mean, I think it was really used as a club yeah, yeah. To, to, to really seem to say, spiritual commitment is measured by the number of meetings attended. You know if, if you're a good Christian, you come to church every Sunday morning. If you're a really a good Christian, you also come on Sunday evening. if you're an exceptional <laughs> Christian, then you come to Wednesday evening prayer meeting, yeah, and it was almost like there's a great scoreboard in the sky that checks attendance and i I need to score my points on that on that scoreboard.
0: Well, we got points in Sunday school for attendance well, we did and Sunday school is another thing. Sunday meant not just coming once on Sunday it's Sunday school morning service, evening service.
1: And then for everything else that you just mentioned, sure. I mean, I remember when I when I came to Toronto as a pastor 42 years ago. We had uh, Sunday school at nine forty-five, morning worship at eleven, evening worship at seven. You know, just the way the New Testament spells it out. Yep. Uh, that's that's the way people Amen. did it. But but we're in a different day, and and regular has taken on new meaning. Uh, lots of challenges and barriers to people meeting together regularly on on Sunday. And and now of course we're unable to do it for good public health reasons. But that means it's it's worth thinking about Mm -hmm. why we do it in the first place. Okay, let's think about it. Well why do we do this? Let's start let's start with Hebrews ten twenty five. I I think now this is this may be more technical than you know our listeners want. We but, have but very hey, high-level thinking re- uh, listeners. Well, we do, and I'm assuming that. Yes. Is. Because I, I think it's, it's significant to notice that, that Hebrews 10.25 is not a straightforward imperative. It doesn't say, do not forsake assembling together. It's grammatically a participle, not forsaking the gathering together, which means that it supports the three exhortations that precede this in the, in the preceding verses. Let us draw near to God, let us persevere in our faith and commitment, and let us stimulate one another to love and good deeds. In other words, gathering together is in support of those things. It's about, at least, there are more things for sure, But it's at least about enabling one another to do those things, to draw near to God, to strengthen our commitment to persevere, and and to stimulate one another, to think about what living in love and good deeds really looks like.
0: I'm I'm a little bit rusty on my Greek, but I seem to recall something called a participle of manner. Would that be what this is, kind of describing the manner in which you go about those other imperatives?
1: Yes, I I think it would. it, it's, it's saying the, this, is, this is how you do those things. It's how you enable those things. And so that's important to remember. Now, we're talking Hebrews 10. We, we'd also have to remember a text like uh, Acts 2, where we're told when the believers gathered, it was for the, the teaching of the apostles, um, for breaking of bread, for fellowship, and for prayers. Um, that's an interesting one because the um, teaching, the apostolic teaching, the breaking of bread, perhaps communal meal and Lord's Supper per se, and the prayers are are, are three specific actions that take place when God's people gather. Fellowship is kind of an odd term uh, in that list because we don't normally think of it as describing an action. I wonder, though, personally if the term koinonia, fellowship there, actually is referring to collecting an offering. Because in that very context, we were told that the people had everything in common and they were contributing from what they had to meet the needs of others. And there are a couple of other places where koinonia is used in an active sense of sharing, I suspect what we may have there is, is collecting an offering as part of what happens. As, as an aspect or as the main obj- main objective? Well, of as an aspect of, of our gathering. I mean, the fellowship is only one thing. I mean, when we think of fellowship, we normally think of warm, fuzzy feelings of uh, what we share right. in Christ. And it certainly has that sense mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. But here it may have a more active sense even. So there may be good direct biblical precedent, you know, for our collecting and offering when we meet. Now that we can't, I, I just, I'm glad the church now has an e-transfer option, and I used that on Saturday night. So did I. I. I hope it went through.
0: So, all right, that's interesting, because when, I, when we give, whether we do it collectively or not, we are partnering, we're giving as... Um, a family of families to advance the gospel. Um, how important is it that we do that visibly when we are gathered together? As Like everything else that we're talking about, the teaching and uh, the breaking of bread, how
1: important is it that we do that in community? That's a really good question because a, a lot of the people in our church, I'm sure now, have uh, pre-authorized payments set up from their bank account to provide a regular contribution to the church. And so they don't need to regularly put it in the offering plate. Um, Now we have e-transfer, we we can give by credit card, we've got lots of possibilities. I don't know, I I think it's a really good question and and probably one that um, the church leaders at least need to talk about Mm -hmm. a bit. there is something to be said for it. But, of course, many churches, many churches have concluded that passing an offering plate sometimes makes visitors feel uncomfortable. Right. And so instead of passing an offering plate, they have offering boxes at the back of the room where, where the, the people of the congregation can, uh, can put their contributions. I, I would suggest there's, there's no way to be dogmatic about this. There is something about a passing of the plate, though, that says, okay, here's an act of worship as I acknowledge God as the source of all that I have.
0: You know, and it shouldn't be totally unfamiliar to outsiders because we have this expression, when someone's in need, you pass the hat. Right. And we all know what that means. It means we're friends and we recognize that there's a need that finances can meet. And so a visitor who comes to the church uh, shouldn't see it as a shakedown. They should see it, if it's framed properly, they should see it as the church being very practical about meeting real needs.
1: Yeah, but it's probably uh, probably a reminder that that we do sometimes need to just very concisely explain why we're doing what we're doing when we meet as, as a way of making, especially non-believers present, feel, feel comfortable in the right yeah, sense. I Obviously, agree. there's a sense in which an unbeliever... Yeah should feel a discomfort, but, but we want them to feel um, comfortable in, in a good sense. And part of that is, is explaining, now it's time for the people of this congregation to share from what God has, has given them.
0: Yeah, I'm going to make a note of that and bring it up in my conversation with Jacob. We, we often talk about the service, and I think we need to t- talk about how we do the offering. Uh, let me uh, just say one thing. We're not gathering right now, uh, if you 're listening to this podcast it 's during the the isolation self isolation and so we don't have, i don 't experience the gathering on on sunday and i 've got to tell you it 's when I think about it we 're in an empty auditorium right now, and I preach in an empty auditorium right now and it 's okay, but the thing I really miss is we got a we got an usher that opens the door for my my wife is disabled every sunday morning we come to this building and he's out there in short sleeves or whatever and he opens the door helps my wife in it's a meaningful contact and then there are other people who greet us and there's coffee and this is before the service starts and it's this we've had 2 weeks where i haven't had that and i don't i haven't formulated all my theology on that but there's something really yearning in me to restore that
1: definitely it felt really weird sitting at at the counter in our kitchen yesterday morning watching uh, the service on tv actually the the previous week the first sunday uh, that that we were live streaming in this way i was preaching at a small church Mm. (laughs) in waterloo uh, where they were actually meeting now it was a smaller church they it would have been under the fifty limit, but believe it or not, after the service, I was chatting with a fellow who actually came in a bit late for the service and and he said to me, "I just uh, flew in from New Zealand at one a m and there he was so is that a good thing? I think not, <laughs> and every since over over the last week since then. Every time I I've physically have felt a little bit different, I think I've right. had this thought, yikes, what if that guy brought something yeah. back from New Zealand? He didn't want to forsake the gathering, though. But he didn't want to forsake the gathering, so we, we have to give him credit for that, I think. But I, I do think when we can't gather face-to-face, it's a powerful reminder that our our corporate meetings are... They have a strong horizontal focus. And and Hebrews ten makes that clear when it says not not giving up meeting together, it says, but positively encouraging one another. So there have been times in the past when I've heard a pastor say something like when, when we're gathered, this is just between you and God. It's you and the Lord. And I'm thinking that's not true. Amen. We we meet as a community of God's people. And, and, and yes, there's a vertical focus to it, but the horizontal focus is really critically important. Can you imagine in our singing, we sing to each other? I think we need to talk
0: about that in our next podcast. All right. Well, that concludes this podcast. Uh, I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. Thanks for tuning in. And if you can think of it, uh, let other people know about our podcast or let us know uh, some topics that you might want us to address. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.
1: So long. Bye bye.